Hi, I'm Diane Shannon. I'm an internal medicine physician, award-winning writer, and certified coach. I learned the hard way about the cost of burnout. And in the 20 plus years since, I have dedicated my life to addressing physician burnout. I run a coaching company where I help women in medicine navigate the stresses inherent in the profession and the additional challenges that they experience. Join me as I investigate the underlying causes of the higher burnout rates in women and what we can do about them individually and collectively. We can banish burnout and thrive as women in medicine. Welcome to this episode of Vital Signs, Thriving as a Woman in Medicine. Today, my guest is Thea Nolan. She's a physician assistant who works in interventional radiology in central Massachusetts. Thea is also active in leadership and is the president-elect of the Massachusetts Physician Assistants Association. Welcome, Thea. Thank you for having me. Thea, I wanted to have you on as a guest in part because I've been so impressed with what you have done in terms of taking some strategies, applying them to your life, and seeing the difference. Thea and I first met um, from a group coaching program that I ran last year, and Thea contacted me afterwards and told me about what a difference that it made to learn some of those skills. Thea, I want to start with a warm-up question, which is, I know you live in Massachusetts, as I do. What do you like best about living in New England? I would have to say that it is the fact that we get all four seasons. And I I just love that we have the opportunity to experience like the, the highest of the highs of the summer and the beautiful changing of the leaves in fall. I'm not a huge fan of winter personally. Um, in fact, every winter I wonder why I live in Massachusetts. Uh, but uh, the other three seasons I'm I'm a fan of. Great. Me too. And I actually moved from the mid-Atlantic area because I wanted more winter. Oh. Yes. <laughs> not me. But, um, you know, we're settled here and, and this is my home, so. Great. So, so Thea, if you could talk a little bit about what you see as some of the challenges that you faced and face as a woman in medicine and, and just in general, what do you observe um, some of those challenges are for, for our peers? Sure. So as a woman in medicine, you know, particularly in a surgical subspecialty, like I practice in interventional radiology, it can be very difficult to speak up sometimes because even though it's 2024 i i still do believe that the you know gender bias if you will exists and i i feel it i i feel it still you know anytime i try to assert myself so it's definitely been a challenge in trying to figure out ways to you know get to uh, achieve a, a goal without feeling as though I'm, you know, coming across as pushy or, uh, you know, too assertive. 
But then again, I, I also feel as though I have a voice and I, I want to speak up and, uh, you know, validate my concerns, if you will. Right. So how has that shown up for you in terms of your experience with the, the bias and the feeling that you want to speak out, but then maybe you feel like that's not going to be taken so well? Like, how have you navigated that? Honestly, it's just been time and, you know, putting yourself in uncomfortable situations over and over and over and getting more comfortable with being uncomfortable and just, you know, I think also just growing up, you know, and, and I've been practicing now for close to 12 years and I'm a completely different provider today than I was when I started and I, I just have more confidence in what I know and I feel as though I have a voice and I'm going to use it. And Thea, I know that some of what you have taken in terms of the, the strategies that you have adopted have made a difference in terms of your daily work experience. And that is something that affects everyone, right? Related, not just women in medicine. So can you talk a little bit about what it was like before you started trying some of these strategies and then what you did? Absolutely. So I am primarily a proceduralist and clinic is something that obviously is very important to all surgical specialties, but it's not something that had been the mainstay of our practice. And uh, I am the only uh, APP in my group that does a clinic and I, I run a uterine artery embolization and a women's health now mixed with men's health uh, clinic in it used to be once a month, which I can talk to patients very well. I can educate them on the procedure that they're coming to us getting uh, a consultation for. But the challenge for me was the documentation. Part of it was because, in my opinion, the uh, EMR that we used was specific for a diagnostic radiology. It wasn't really meant for clinical practice. But another part of it was that that wasn't something that I did every day. It was something that was once a month. And I I came, I became, uh, I came to dread it, actually. And it wasn't the patient education piece because I love taking care of patients. And I, I love that one-on-one uh, -on -one time that, you know, you don't really get during procedures because half the time my patients are sedated. Um, but... I dreaded the documentation side because I felt as though I could never finish my charts the day of. And there were, it was a multifactorial, you know, there were multiple reasons behind why I, I was, I couldn't finish them, but it just became this like elephant in the room, if you will. And instead of doing something joyously, I, I, I dreaded it. I literally dreaded clinic. And what, what effect did that have on you to be dreading? Okay. The clinic's coming up this week. Like, what did that do to you? Yeah. I mean, it definitely affected my mental health and it made me, you know, try what I knew uh, for areas to prepare and utilize the resources that I had, but it just never seemed like it was enough. And and even when I would go the extra mile, 
at the end of the day, I still wasn't seeing the results that I that I wanted. And so I would finish at work and then bring that work home and it would transition into the next day. And inevitably, it would always be like just a crazy day. And then it would be days that I would be, you know, trying to finish these charts. And, you know, then you don't remember details as well. And so then I started taking notes and it just was not the way I wanted to operate. It's not how I operate in every other area of my practice. And it was um, it was overwhelming and it, it made me a little bit resentful, to be honest, because I was the only one voluntold, if you will, to do the clinic. Ah, so it, I also know that, you know, for many of us, um, that sense of taking it home has an effect on our home life. Did you find that happening? Yeah, I think as healthcare providers, it's challenging not to take your work home, but it was just another layer. You know, I have young children and, you know, coming home, trying to think about the details of the the consults and there's a lot of minutiae that goes into it. And then I would be concerned that I wouldn't remember things. And then I would get home and it's homework time and dinner time and bath time. And it was just, it, I just did not have that sense of closure at the end of the day. And um, it was really stressful. And did, when did you find time to do it? Like, did you, were you one of those people who was, you know, on the EMR from home and up until late doing it? Or did it push over into the next day? When did you actually finish that work that hadn't been done the, on, on cl clinic day? I would tell myself at the end of the clinic that I would finish, you know, after everyone was settled at home and I had everything set up for the next day. But my brain power was, I was just exhausted and I didn't have the bandwidth to do it then. And inevitably there would always be some sort of, you know, emergency with the kids or, you know, a, a play the next day or a concert or something or a spirit day. And, and then, you know, you get pulled into that and then you start your next day already behind. And it's just not a good feeling. Thea, what are some of the things that you did to make a change in that area, in how you were doing documentation to get out of that grind. And, and I know that, that you, you've talked about the difference it made, but what, what exactly did you do? Well, first and foremost, I believed in myself that I could absolutely do this. And I kind of changed my frame of mind and said, you will do this. You will complete your charts today. It's going to happen. You're you're going to stay focused. You're going to limit, you know, your consult times and you're going to complete your charts before you move on to the next patient. And at first, that wasn't a reality. Um, my first victory, if you will, was the fact that I finished the clinic day and I completed all my notes in the same day. Like that was the most amazing feeling. Now, did I complete each chart after each patient? I started to in the beginning of the day. And then if you sort of run over a little bit or a patient requires a little bit more of your time and then you have a backup, it's you're trying to get people in and, you know, be mindful of people's time. But I stayed, I completed my charts and that was an amazing feeling. As you know, I went to your, I had the opportunity to participate in this women's mid-career um event 
that you that you coached and it was it was so profound for me for so many reasons um but for clinic i i changed my approach so uh one of the things we had talked about was what is that pebble in your shoe what what is it that is bothering you uh whether it be for for a clinic or for the way that you run your office practice or whatever it may be and for me it was the pre-charting that really changed everything. So I would go, I would review the cases, I would make little notes to myself, um, and just even small changes such as making sure I had the date written down, you know, even knowing I was going to copy the imaging results and put it into my note, I would still put the date of the, you know, imaging, I'd write that down, I would write down the, the date of the initial consult, and I had that information readily available in front of me. That was one major change. The second change that I did most recently was I brought a timer into the room. And I know that sounds a little bit crazy. It's It was like a push button timer, but uh, I if it did go off, uh, I just said, oh, you know, I I set this timer because I am fully engaged with my patients and sometimes I lose, lose track of time and I try to give all of my patients the um, appropriate time and, uh, you know, dedication or if you will, um, that they deserve. And nobody minded that I had the timer and it changed everything for me. And then I had, you know, 10 minutes at the end of that visit to complete my documentation, put my orders in, send the referral in for, you know, to book the procedure. It worked. It literally worked. I, I had the best week. <laughs> wow. Thea, that that's, that's great. So using that particular time, the, the timer as a tool yes. really made a difference. And I, I'm really intrigued and I bet there'll be some questions about this is how is it that patients didn't react with upset? Like, it sounds like that that wasn't a response you got. I think, you know, I, when you genuinely care about what you're doing and you're engaged and you're involved, people can see that. They can sense that. So I feel as though in my situation, nobody took it personally or, or uh, minded, if you will, because they could sense that I, I really was there for them and to, you know, this time was their time, but unfortunately their time does have a time limit. You know, I would, I would love to sit and counsel them onto all, all of the minutia of what might happen post-procedure and things like that. But, you know, we are uh, reimbursed for the work that we do and there is a time limit to that. And I really I did not see any negative feedback at all or receive any negative feedback. And so what was the impact of that, of the fact that you've made these changes? I just, I felt so good at the end of the day, knowing that all of my charting was done. All of my patients, not only did they have procedure dates, all of their pre-medications were sent into the pharmacy. Like I did not have to touch that chart again. And that won't always be the case. You know, there'll always be details that we have to follow up on before, you know, patients can have procedures or if they have to go to pre-testing or things like that if they need anesthesia. But for this past clinic, 
it worked wonderfully. And I'm going to take those tools that I've been using and add them on to every clinic and hopefully, uh, you know, perfect my craft, if you will. Yeah, one of the things I remember in our past conversation was you used the word snowball. Can sure. you say more about that? Yeah. Um, so I think what you're referring to is the snowball effect of the non-chart completion. And it just, it weighs on you. You know, it, you, you're thinking about it if you, when you get it in the morning after your clinic day. And, you know, for me, I don't have a set schedule for my procedures. Some of them are scheduled for outpatients, but then I'm adding on inpatients. And, and so then I would be trying to, you know, finish my notes in between my cases. And then I would get new inpatient requests and I just would never feel like I was able to close the loop or, you know, just finish it at the end of the day. And so then you take that home and then you maybe go to the next day or, you know, deal with it with your family. And it's just, I have such a better sense of job satisfaction knowing that I've done a good job. I've done what is expected of me. And at the end of the day, I've, everything is buttoned up and people are taken care of. <laughs> Great. And I also think about the snowball effect in terms of you took several small changes and they kind of added together. There was a culmination of all those small things that you did. Yeah. I think that, you know, what I was saying in the very beginning about believing I could, um, it, with each little change that I made, I felt encouraged and inspired to do a little bit more. Like, what can I do or what can I tweak a little bit more? Can I change this template um, to make my life easier? Uh, and, you know, I ended up, you know, seeking additional education from the for the EMR. Uh, and I went on to become like a, a power user. And that that helped. And that's something that even though I had wanted to do before, I wasn't able to advocate for myself as um, as aggressively because, well, you know, everybody needs a little bit of extra help with the EMR. But I'm like, actually, I really do. I'm the only one that goes to clinic. I'm trying to teach everybody else, like, please help me. Um, and so when I wasn't able to obtain the resources that I needed from my institution, I was able to get them through Epic. Uh, and and that was extremely helpful. And just using those resources and then the things that we were learning in your group sessions, adding those together, that was an even more powerful snowball, I feel, um, than the negative snowball. It was like, I am going to take this information and I'm going to run with it. And it really has, uh, it's helped me so much and in fact, where I was only doing clinic once a month before, effective in March, I'm going to twice a month. So that would have been like oh, too much for me. And now I'm like, bring it on, bring it on. <laughs> Amazing. What will be the, the impact on you of doing two sessions a month? Well, I will say that since I have made those changes, it's 
like the first week that I had, or the first session rather that I had clinic after I started making the changes, it felt good, but I didn't get that end result that I was looking for. But now I'm not dreading clinic. In fact, I feel totally prepared. Uh, I feel like I could, you know, maybe change my order sets a little bit, but not, none of that is going to impact time-wise. I just feel like because I don't feel stressed out knowing that all the steps are in place that the patients need to get the procedure and for me to complete the day, uh, I can just enjoy being a provider, enjoy the patient education side of things and, you know, get people the, the treatment that they require. Well, Thea, it has been great to have you on today. Is there anything that you'd like to share with our listeners in terms of piece of advice, a strategy, a pearl of wisdom? Uh, I guess I would just say, you know, it's not a one size fits all for everyone. And if something you try something and it doesn't work for you, don't get discouraged. And there are so many other, you know, options and ways to optimize your workflow. And for me, it it was a little bit of trial and error, but it was also a little bit of uh, maybe a kick in the butt and self-confidence boost that I needed. And it really did make such a difference. So I would just say, don't give up. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. <laughs> Progress over perfection. Yes, exactly. Thea, what is the best way for listeners to get in touch with you? Uh, absolutely. So uh, on LinkedIn, Thea Nolan, um, and that's that's the best way. All my contact information is there, and I would love to connect with people uh, and and share uh, any of the tips and tricks that I've used and. Um, Absolutely. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much, Thea, for being a guest on my podcast today. It's been a real pleasure. Yes. Thank you for having me.